0: Good afternoon
1: and welcome. Well, as we are all quietly settling in after the Thanksgiving holiday, things are heating up south of the border as they approach the election just weeks away. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he's hoping for a clear result. And I think we can all agree on that, if nothing else. Meanwhile, President Trump is back on the campaign trail, as you heard in Bob's news, holding crowded rallies without masking requirements, telling crowds he's strong and vital and ready to kiss them all, uh, after his bout of COVID-19. He's also said that he wouldn't necessarily accept the results of the election if he loses. The polls are showing him trailing and the gap widening, but you never know. And I always say you never can count him out. So let me give you the numbers. What do you think of what's going on south of the border? And do you think it has any impact here? 416 360 toll-free one eight six. 6-6-7-40-4-7-40. Now we go to our crack strategy panel. John Keppo Bianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road. Charles Bird, Managing Principal of Earnscliff Strategy Group in Toronto. And Karen Stintz, the CEO of Variety Village. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello, Libby. Okay. And how was Thanksgiving? Everybody have a good one?
2: It was quiet.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but it was good. It was
1: very quiet,
2: I'll have That's to say right. that. We, we just you know, didn't have a need for a turkey, so we had a small chicken. Oh okay.
1: <laughs> I I have turkey leftovers for you.
3: <laughs> as long as it wasn't small smallest quail.
1: Oh. Exactly. A Cornish hen. A Cornish hen. Okay. That'll feed two people. Um, Not huge eaters. Okay. Let us uh, move to what's going on in the United States. Uh, They're down to the wire there. Uh, Let's start with John. Uh, Do you believe the polls that show that the Biden lead is widening? A lot of people are saying he has it sewn up. Uh, Do you think that uh, Donald Trump can have a really strong comeback?
3: Well, I, I think I, the answer to the last question, I think yes. I think it's never, you know, you, you, I'm predicting Donald Trump one way or the other is just a, is just a, a fool's game in some cases because you just don't know um, with, with respect to what he's going to say or what's going to happen. Or quite frankly, you know, I don't think Joe Biden is having a particularly strong campaign. I think he's making a lot of gas. I think that. More than now that he's uh, out there in the public more and more, as opposed to his basement, uh, you know, you're seeing and, and hearing him make some of those gaffes, and I think that some media uh, outlets are reporting it, some aren't. But nonetheless, that said, I think people are going to go to Joe uh, Joe Biden only because they hate Donald Trump. Uh, So, as far as the polls go, Libby, and I've always said this that they're a snapshot in time, and uh, but I do think that they reflect a trend, uh, and a trend that's been, I think, going uh, in Joe Biden's way over the course of the last, I'd say, couple of months. Certainly, the last few weeks since. Uh, the president got covid and and uh his, re- his return and, and so forth i think the, tr- the trend line has been going in, in joe biden's favor although the national popularity polls uh are are less are me- meaningless uh as opposed to looking at the various states that are that are what what they call you know sort of you know battleground states for for uh, for the electoral college votes and i think in those uh joe biden is leading although i have seen some states uh, where the, uh, the numbers narrowing. So I just, I, it's, it's, it's still unpredictable. I do think it's in Joe Biden's favor now. Uh, and, um, you know, and we're a few weeks away, but you know, apparently six or so million of Americans have already voted and that's a, it's a telling sign in, in and of itself.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, you know, uh, I guess the question is uh, he's trying, I think he's, what he's trying to say to people is, I had it, I beat it, it's no big deal. He's going back to that. And I would think that people who have been sick or have loved ones who've been sick or, God forbid, died, uh, you know, that's ne- not necessarily the right message. Karen?
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Libby. Like, you know, I think that, um, you know, there was a moment in time, I think, where his campaign team thought that he could use this moment to pivot and be more empathetic and be more uh, seen as a leader who's going to bring a national strategy to help contain this virus. But instead, he, he just, he did, he, again, he did what he does best, which is to go rogue. So nobody really knows what the messaging is, because, and as we saw, even when he's using Anthony Fauci's Quote to support his campaign, he's then, then tweeting against him. <laughs> so it's it's just it 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 is all the markers of someone who has nothing left to lose, and he's just throwing everything at it, and nothing's really making sense. Uh, so it it I I think he, right now, to be honest with you, he's his own worst enemy. Uh,
1: Charles, do you agree with that? And also, do people believe? Because one of the things he's saying is that he was cured. We know he had some experimental drugs that were released just for him that people don't have access to. Uh, also, he had a huge team of doctors that people don't have access to. Do do people believe him when he says he's going to make this available for everyone?
4: Uh, it's hard to know what people believe when they hear from Donald Trump these days, just given the the hurricane of lies over the years. But I will say that um, on the one hand, if the current polling is correct, Joe Biden can expect to win a landslide victory or something approaching a landslide victory. Uh, you can expect huge down-ballot implications in terms of House and senatorial races, which means the, the Congress as a whole being remade in favor of the Democrats. Uh, the Electoral College map, as John mentioned, the battleground states are everything. I mean, for Trump to have a chance, he's got to win Texas, Georgia, North Carolina— Ohio and Iowa, um, all of which he won in 2016. He also has to hold on to uh, Arizona and Florida, which are the key sunbelt states. Those, those are razor close at the moment. But even if he wins all of those states, if Biden is able to hold on to the traditional Democratic firewall of Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin, then Biden wins the election. But the bigger problem is, and you've seen this in his most recent tweets of just a few minutes ago, Donald Trump keeps coming back to how this is a rigged election and how uh, vote-in ballots are fraudulent without any evidence for saying as much. But what he is doing is casting into doubt the results of the election. Because the U.S. Constitution is actually very vague, if you can believe it, on the subject of how someone becomes president which is to say that you know there's a, there's a national election, and then by a certain date in December, the College of Electors meets on the basis of, of the voting result, and then by date certain in January, a new president is sworn in. So it's, it's a big open question what happens if Donald Trump says those vote-in ballots that haven't been counted don't count, and they're all fraudulent anyway, and I am the president, and I will be sworn in in January, and we will have the long-promised constitutional crisis that uh, that many have mused about. It just seems to be coming more and more real.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I would think that if there is a clear result in terms of numbers, uh, you know, he, 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 he's going to be removed from the White House. The problem, will be <laughs> is
4: on election night, just given the sheer number of uh, mail-in ballots, how quickly they'll be counted, especially by, in Republican-controlled states, there's a very good chance that they won't be counted on election night. So it's possible that Donald Trump, on the basis of the count of the vote on election night, could be sufficiently ahead to, for him to lay claim to victory on election night, notwithstanding hundreds of thousands or millions of votes that haven't been counted. And that's, and that's the
3: problem. Hmm. Do, uh, John, do you agree? Yeah, I do. I, I do think that you know. I, I don't think we're going to sort of see the army come in to try to see, try to get rid of the president from from his uh, from his handcuffs to uh, to, the, to the chain link to, to his desk. I think it's not going to be that bad. But I do think though he is sowing the seed of dissent already and 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 of, of, of controversy now by by just claiming on this. And what's not what's not what's helping his argument is that there are states now that are actually experiencing. Uh, mail fraud or mail issues, you know, some states are, are having issues with respect to ballots being found in ditches and others that are been sent. Uh, there's one, uh, one state where the company that, that, you know, admitted that they accidentally sent it to the wrong list. So there are actually, you know, the minor, albeit minor in some cases, Libby, but still nonetheless enough, uh, of those stories that get out there between now and November the third, I guess, uh, you know, will cause People to sort of understand or believe those that might be on the on the sort of the, the middle ground of saying, well, yeah, maybe there is something to what, what the president's saying regarding this mailing thing. But I do think, though, because of the extraordinary number of people who are asking for mail-in ballots uh, that, you know, once the election results come in on the third, uh, you know, whether or not there's so many outstanding mail-in ballots that are, haven't been counted yet, there might be, especially because it comes down to it, it may come down to two or three states, given the electoral college votes. Uh, and if Florida is razor thin, you know, we might be at that again, where Florida might be the last holdout state, <laughs> given uh, given the uh, the numbers and how close it is on the electoral college votes. So all of that comes into play. But if it's a complete wipeout where, you know, Joe Biden wins by, you know, a, a, a large Double digit or, or large single digit victory, um, I think it becomes you know harder to uh, to to make the case that that there was fraud or that you know that was that something that is an Ill- illegitimate election result. I think that's what what's needed, quite frankly. then close will cause problems.
1: Well, it's it's interesting. There's also there was an incident. I'm trying to remember if it was California or Georgia where the Republican Party put unauthorized ballot collection boxes and admitted to it. Oh. Um, so it, it really is quite something. And I'm, I mean, I guess the other question is, I mean, at a certain point, you've got to wonder where Republicans who are, you know, worried about their own futures, are they really going to stand behind him questioning the result of an election? I mean, is that, you know, you can see a few of his, total uh, loyalists doing that. But most of them, I would imagine, are there for self-interest. And I would think that that might be a bridge too far. Does anyone agree with me, Charles?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, right now, the Republican Party is in very dire straits. Their fundraising is in the tank. Incumbents who were considered Guaranteed chances of reelection, such as Lindsey Graham, um, are now looking at very, very tight races on their own. But they've they've come so far with Donald Trump that they really, as I've said before, it's like having a wolf by the ears. Um, you'd rather not, but you don't dare let go. And. They are in exactly that situation. So, if on election night he is declaring victory as or decrying the system, saying it was fraudulent, um, I fully expect Republicans will will have a, an extraordinarily difficult decision to make because many in in the face of so many instances of Trump's apparent madness. Um, folks have turned to the Republicans and saying, why aren't you speaking out? Why are you not speaking out? And often they will. Um, But in this instance, when everything is on the line, it's very difficult to game through exactly what they'll do.
3: And let me just add to that. there there are now situations where the media have gone to people like Mitch McConnell and other sort of leading Republicans whenever the president's made some really you know crazy remarks with respect to not leaving or the, the, you know the election being delayed or postponed. And they've sort of come back and kind of you know moderated or or brought some sanity back to back to the response by saying, you know, there will be an election. Uh, on November 3rd, there will be a transition, if there is a transition. So there, there is some moderating of the, of the comments by some leading Republicans in some cases.
1: Well, and you would think, I mean, I understand if they don't want to make it public that the Democrats would have something figured out or some strategy But what they are going to do if
2: that happens, Karen. I don't know. Have you seen
1: anything about that?
2: Well, I haven't I, at all. And it, it is, I mean, you know, the United States is not a banana republic. So to your point, Libby, like there, if there's an election, um, even though there might be some ambiguity with the Electoral College and, and how it deems the president to be the president. I mean, it—it's it, 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 there is an expectation that the winner of the election will be the president, and. They also, you know, Trump over the last four years, um, it's been hard for individuals to speak out against Trump because he has the bully pulpit. He has Fox News. He has ways that he can cause harm to individuals who speak out against him. And he's shown that he will use those avenues to, his, to the full extent that he's able to. But if he loses this election, And and I and I agree with with John and Charles, it can't you know, if it's razor thin, it'll be harder. But if he really if he loses this election, he's not a threat to anybody anymore. And so I think that that (laughs) that. he's a threat to himself and he's a threat to the, you know, to normal standards of decency. But that hasn't changed. But, you know, he's he he becomes less able to use what he was able to in the past to his advantage to harm individuals. And so it does free some people like the moderate Republicans to stand up and say, "Okay, you know, this this is the outcome of the election and we're going to acknowledge it and honor it.
1: Okay, let's hear from Michael in Mississauga. Hi, Michael. Hello, I'd like to make a comment in the ballot boxes. I was listening to 960 this morning, and they were saying they have unauthorized ballot boxes in churches. Yeah, that was the, I'm trying to remember where it was. It might have been Georgia. Uh, There were, I mean, again, it, it wasn't a huge number of them, but they had unauthorized ballot boxes, and they admitted to it, but they said, don't worry, we won't tamper with it but you'd think that um the whatever is in a box like that would be disqualified but it it it's it's sort of open election fraud i don't know um they should just be arresting all these pastors who are putting out these boxes and telling their parishioners to come in and drop off the ballot ballot there uh he, it has to be something they could be charged with Well, I think, and California is investigating. I think they've been warned that it's against the law. Uh, I don't know if uh, they've planned to arrest them, but I mean, you know, just watching what's going on there, you just got to shake your head. Michael, thanks for that. Any amount of any amount of fraud could be prosecuted. Well, yes, absolutely. But will it? I don't know. Okay Michael we're losing you. Uh, yeah that was
0: uh... Libby,
3: there's also a, there was also a case So, just speaking of that issue with respect to the ballot boxes and, and, and unauthorized there was also a case i think that's in the courts now with, within Texas uh, about you know where the where the, the governor has repealed now there were supposed to be uh, there were there were a number of voting stations that were uh, that were authorized and allowed for for people to uh, to go and drop their ballots off, and and then that was canceled at the last minute by the governor, uh, and uh, and it's caused some some issue with respect to you know is that vote suppression is that is that causing problems because people especially those that are elderly and 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 don't believe in mail in ballots and actually want to go and put their ballots in uh, those locations that were once authorized are no longer in place, so there's things like that that are happening and that are making the news nationally. That again speak to this whole issue of, of you know voter um, you know malfunction or dysfunction dysfunctionality that can cause a problem at an election Day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's totally voter suppression. And you know you mentioned older or. Uh, elderly voters, well, th- you know, that was a big part of Trump's base, and that's a big part of who he's losing because of the coronavirus. So, mm-hmm. uh yeah, I mean, there, you know, y- y- we were talking about, you know, Republicans uh, who wouldn't, you know, would not necessarily, why would they hold with, uh, you know, shenanigans around, uh, you know, a vote, but there we have a governor who's uh, kind of, you know, He's trying to, he's putting his hands on the scales for sure. And we had a
4: similar instance in Canada not too long ago. And John, you'll have to remind me of the young man's name, but he uh, orchestrated robocalls to attempt to suppress votes.
1: Oh, right, 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 uh, right, right. And he was
4: operating yeah. out of the Guelph area and he went to jail and rightly so, because messing with elections, mm-hmm. it, that's that's just beyond the pale. It's, yeah. it's dangerous to our democracy And it needs to be treated with absolute contempt. But again, the issue is, you know, in in December, at some point, as happens every four years, the College of Electors, chosen state by state, come together to formalize the results of the election by formally casting their state's electoral college votes on behalf of the chosen candidate. What isn't as well understood is that states can actually overrule the results of voters in their own states and appoint the electors by themselves. And in an instance where, you know, say Georgia, if the Republican governor of Georgia decides, well, you know, we found 12 ballots in a ditch, and therefore all the results, even though it was overwhelmingly Democratic, have to be thrown out, so we're going to appoint those electors. And then all of a sudden, you've got um, star chambers appointing who's going to choose the next president of the United States. And that is not nearly as far-fetched as people think.
2: No, but at some point, when Trump becomes such a huge liability, the incentive to do that diminishes, right? Like, even when we say Lindsey Graham, like, he – how – He's in trouble in his own state where that's almost unthinkable. So Trump is now a liability to him. So I'm sure that he's not going to go and defend his crazy uh, tweets and his crazy utterances because it's no longer in his interest to do so. Well, Unless
4: he can continue on as president of the United States for another four years,
2: but but I think that the, I mean you could orchestrate that, I'm sure, but the likelihood of that happening through the voters is is not likely.
1: Well, yeah, and there's there's plenty of unrest in the United States right now, yeah, um, and I'm sure that they are cognizant, and I mean, who knows what's going to happen afterwards, you know, even if there is a clear result, but and it's
4: uh, no coincidence that Donald Trump is tweeting up a storm about how the election is rigged and vote in ballot and mail in ballots are fraudulent. I mean, this is for a reason. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that Republican organizing committees in various states are filing lawsuits even now bringing into question the legitimacy of the election.
1: Oh yeah, and, that's. And this been,
4: is the concern.
1: That's that's uh, been the strategy. Let's for a minute uh, discuss uh, uh, the confirmation hearings for uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, she would, you know, um, change the balance of the court. They're determined to ram it through. Is there any way to stop that train for the Democrats?
3: Um, not, not really. I think that the, the the Republicans and we're seeing the hearings for those who are seeing the hearings, and I've got it. I'm, I'm glued to it. I'm just I'm just intrigued by it. It is falling down party lines, um, in right down to the right down to the person. So you know, obviously they've got the they've got the um the votes to to be able to do it. And every Republican <clears throat> on the committee and also within the Senate are are pretty much, except for I think save two, uh that have said that they might vote against it. Although they might they may be changing their their minds now, but. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen probably within the next week to two weeks, unless there's some procedural wrangling. But I think you've got somebody in Lindsey Graham, the senator who runs the committee, who is extremely smart and and understands uh, the the nuances. But let me say though, I I find uh, Amy Coney Barrett extremely uh, uh, impressive. Um, you know, she uh, just listening to her and and how she's handling the questions and and, uh, and how she's dealing, with it. And not only from the Republicans, but mostly from the Democrats. Uh, she's an impressive jurist, and I think she will become, if she is in fact nominated, a, a really strong, powerful Supreme Court justice. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh,
1: one of the things that the Democrats are trying to emphasize is uh, health care. And she's on the record of, of- trying to get rid of Obamacare, and, and they want to strike down the provision that protects people with pre-existing conditions, of which COVID will become one. Uh, and um, she doesn't seem inclined to recuse herself if that comes up, or when it comes up. It's slated to, to come up. I mean, I find it, as a Canadian, I find it hard to believe that, that um, a lot of Americans don't seem to be dialed in on this. They seem to be, you know, uh, believing Donald Trump when he says, you know, you'll have the same health care I did. I don't think so.
4: Oh, well, through the history of the United States Supreme Court, there have been very, very blatant examples of justices voting on purely ideological lines, uh, notwithstanding what the law says. And it was very interesting to see Ms. Coney Barrett um, going through the usual spiel about how her own beliefs wouldn't influence her opinions, that it was all going to be based on the law and based on precedent. And that is something that every nominee to the court will say. But when push comes to shove, There is um, a decided ideological bent to the justices that are being appointed, especially by Donald Trump. And so the Democrats are very smart to be focusing entirely on the fact that she's on the record as saying that the Affordable Care Act, or better known as Obamacare, is unconstitutional and that she'll vote against it. Because health care is a huge driver of vote, as we found out in the 2018 Congressional Elections, And for all its flaws, people like her, Obamacare. She's also on the record as being opposed to a woman's right to choose.
1: Oh, yeah, that's 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 what
4: you'll see. That's what you'll see next in terms of the Democratic messaging. They've got no way to stop this nomination from being rammed through, but um, they will make political hay out of it.
1: Hmm.
3: Although not as much as they did with Kavanaugh, I think that they they learned their lesson, Charles. Quite frankly, and I and I don't disagree with you with respect to the politics of the, the fact that we're you know in an election and, and 20 days away or so from an actual election has caused everybody, Republicans and Democrats on the committee, to be to be political. But but that said, they've learned their lesson for how they dealt with uh, with Justice Kavanaugh. So now they've turned, they've changed their tact, and they're not a, they're not. Um, um, going after her from a personal perspective, as they were at the beginning, I think they learned a the lesson quite, quite strongly. And now they're, they're, they're obviously going after her, her, her judgments, which is much more fair than her personal attacks.
2: Uh, Karen, I mean, uh, what do you think? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, I think even Senator Graham said, look, everyone knows how they're going to vote. So let's just keep this civil. You know, and I, and I think so the Democrats recognize that. And to John's point, their strategy is just to continue to hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer the risks of having this court tilt in a certain way and um, what that means then for the presidency and the House and the Senate and why it's important that Americans pay attention because this train can't be stopped.
1: Uh, yeah, so, and, you know, and seems- what happened? Well, I guess uh, if there's nothing to be done about it, I guess the, uh, the tilt is tilting at windmills.
2: Right, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, what's, what, what is your best strategy given that you can't stop it is just to highlight some of the, the risks of having, you know, potentially a Republican president, Senate, and House, which is unlikely. Uh, but that being said, the, you know, I think the American people and the Democrats are, are very well advised to, to, be, to be highlighting these issues as something that they need to pay attention to.
1: Okay, uh, we are running out of time. So as a final question uh, with a quick answer to all of you, is is all of this somehow spilling into Canada? Things seem to be fairly quiet here. We've got the, this, the second wave of the coronavirus with more restrictions. But, you know, um, I don't know if it's because it's the day of Thanksgiving. It sort of seems all quiet here. Charles?
4: You know, it's something I think about a lot, whether the kind of um, extremism we're seeing in the United States can find a home in Canada. And I think the short answer is we're not immune, that there is a certain percentage of folk who feel that immigrants are poison and who don't necessarily like people whose skin color is different or whose religion is different. I think that kind of bigotry has been part of us. But now we're seeing a situation in the United States where those forces are, are really being conjured up as a way to move blocks of votes. And, and I don't think it's just the conservatives who are susceptible to it. I mean, we see what's happening on the far left as well. And if we ever see our political leaders sort of egging on these types of sentiments, I think we will find ourselves in in very dire straits.
3: John? I think that you know Canadians especially are sort of like, like anybody else, quite frankly, globally, are sort of accustomed to and are used to, you know, President Trump and his antics and what's going on there. So I think there is a sort of a tuning out. Uh, of, of all that, that's happening. I think that we always run the risk and there are certain elements within Canada for sure, as Charles alluded to, that are, that, that, you know, that do sort of, you know, pick up on, on what they're hearing and what they're seeing in the U.S., although thankfully very, very small, uh, uh groupings of, of that. But I do think as the, as the election gets nearer, uh, it's going to be much more relevant to Canada. Uh, with respect to what's going to happen, especially because we're dealing with borders being opened and closed and and trade deals are going to be looked at. And all of those, I think a lot of Canadians, certainly our government, are waiting to see who the next president is. And if it's Trump for four more years, that's going to cause a lot of readjustments uh, that's going to have to happen if it's Biden. Well, then we're going to have to see what what comes out of that because there is a bit of a protectionism, even with the Democrats, that that we've seen or haven't seen in the past that might hurt us.
2: Okay, and Karen? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean... I mean, I disagree with Charles in that you know Canada. We, for sure, we have our warts and we have our um, injustices that have been done and continue to be done. But culturally, we are so different than the United States, and it, it plays itself out in everything from you know from how from schools to gun control to healthcare that the American culture is very individualistic. Our culture is emerging as one that is more collective, and that has that defines us in a way. Uh, that is very unique and and, and and quite separate and apart from the u s but I, I do think to john 's point there is a bit of a wait and see like what, what actually is happening so, so the border, because even though the polls are directly heading for Biden, it, this, you know, Trump has yeah. this incredible ability to continue to pull uh, de- you know, victory from the jaws of defeat, so it um, you know, I think that everyone's just kind of watching with major breath what's happening.
1: Okay. On that note, I will wrap things up. And by the way, we are going to be talking about extremism in our next segment. So please stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thank you so much, Charles Bird, John Capobianco, and Karen Stintz. Thanks, Libby. Thanks,
0: Libby. Thanks, Libby. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.